I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, what's good? It's another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Blair Angulo. Happy Thanksgiving week to everyone tuning in. On this episode, we're going to catch up with Notre Dame insider Tom Loy. He covers the Fighting Irish for 24-7 Sports. Notre Dame has been on a run of flips. As Steve Wilfong, the director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports, likes to say, it is spatula season. The Irish have gone out to Florida recently for a couple flips and have also gone out west for a couple new commitments. So we're going to get all the details from Tom Loy as well as what's remaining on the Irish recruiting board heading into the early signing period next month as Notre Dame continues to push for a top 10 class nationally. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, what are you doing? Please hit that subscribe button. And if you've got a recruiting question, and I know everyone out there has one heading into the early signing period, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with that question, aiming it about a certain recruit or a certain team or to one of your recruiting analysts, and we'll tackle that question here on this show. Also, this is going to be a bit of an audible week for us as we'll have a midweek episode on Wednesday instead of Thursday due to the holiday. And if you're not a subscriber to 24-7 Sports or your favorite team site, this is the week to join the fun. Tuesday, November 24th is labeled as Free Day. There's going to be a 75% off annual subscription to your favorite team site. So if you want to be in the know heading into the early signing period, now is the time to sign up. Before we get to Tom Loy, let's begin with the kickoff. In case you missed it, late last week, the number one prospect in the 2022 class, quarterback Quinn Ewers, announced his commitment to Ohio State. The new decision came about three weeks after his initial decommitment from hometown Texas. He's a five-star prospect from South Lake Carroll in Texas. And when it comes to the Buckeyes, it's another example of the rich getting richer. Only Alabama has a better class right now in the 2021 rankings than Ohio State. And the Buckeyes are off to a hot start in 2022 with Ewers being the headliner in a class that already includes Gabe Powers, a five-star linebacker from the state of Ohio so that quarterback room in Columbus gets a bit more crowded in 2022 when Quinn Ewers arrives on campus and gives Ryan Day another monumental victory on the recruiting trail. Joining us now on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast is Tom Loy. He is the Notre Dame insider over at 24-7 Sports. Tom, how are you doing? Doing well, Blair, man. Appreciate having me on. How are you? 
I'm doing well, man. It's it's Thanksgiving week, so a lot to be thankful for, obviously, with this year and and you know all the circumstances that we've had to deal with. Um, you know, obviously they're minor when you when you think of the the grand scheme of things, but uh, you know, recruiting has started to pick up uh, heading into the early signing period, which is less than a month away. And you know, the interesting thing, and and we just touched on on Quinn Ewers in the first segment, uh, and, and bringing you on now. And I wanted to ask you because I know you're you're very uh, tied in and looped in and and we had a discussion with Andrew Ivins recently about the amount of time that there should be between a decommitment and a commitment now Quinn Ewers decommitted from Texas about three weeks before he then committed to Ohio State do you consider that a flip I mean it's it's such a wild uh question because it's like these guys they they, they kind of change their minds so quickly I mean I guess yeah technically it's a flip but um it just makes you wonder like what went into their initial decision why did they make that that first choice and then what changed so quickly I mean you spend over a year or so making a coming into a decision and you finally make it it's almost like man like why wouldn't you just name a leader and then all of a sudden you're just getting you know and then you're then you're committed and then boom in no time you're committed to another program. So there's just so many factors. So I think it's a little, it's different for every, you know, it's in individual cases across the board, but man, that one, that one I was kind of tipped off on early, but still, um, you know, when, once it finally happens, it's definitely sends shockwaves throughout the country. Yeah, me and Andrew have thought about starting a recruiting glossary with terms, right, and definitions, and for all the fans to be able to look into and and look up, you know, certain things, whether that's uh, a flip or, you know, an offer or a a non-committable offer or a silent commitment. There are so many terms that I feel like we we should start maybe making some, some concrete definitions for. Yeah, there's uh, we, a lot of things that people don't understand, or it's like it's so funny when a kid asked me or somebody asked me last week um, about an offer that Notre Dame extended, and like, so that's an offer, but like, is it committable? And can they can he accept it, or what goes into it, and blah blah. I'm like, you know, that's one thing I will say that covering Notre Dame, it's nice because they don't. It's very rare that they get into the uh, non-committable offer. If they get if they extend one, they don't want to deal with the ramifications of not accepting a commitment. So if they if they extend one and the, and the academics check out, usually those are committable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that's the thing that sets Notre Dame apart, right? The academic side of things. There are very few schools in the country that have to factor that into extending an offer. So, you know, there are schools uh, across the country that, that just throw out offers, but a, a lot of them might not be committable because you don't know, you know, whether he fits or, or someone might have to jump on that offer before another player will. And then that offer no longer stands. I mean, there's just so many things. And, and I feel like we could have a lot of fun with that glossary. So let me know if you want to get in on that. Uh, we're, we, we might start, we might start some, uh, some Google spreadsheet to, to get into it. Um, Tom, you know, obviously on the theme of flips, Notre Dame has been on a nice little run here. Philip Riley, we'll start with him. Uh, he committed to Notre Dame early in the process, um, decommitted and flipped to rival USC only to decommit from SC and then flip back to Notre Dame. He's a four-star cornerback from the state of Florida, uh, originally from the state of Washington. And, and the Irish came from behind once again to reel him back into the class. How did that go down? What's your take on, on that situation? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I'm not going to lie. So he commits in May, um, as you know, and he commits sight unseen. So obviously during the pandemic, he didn't get a chance to get on campus. 
um, kind of, there was a lot of rumblings early that Virginia Tech had pulled ahead. And then, um, you know, Clark Lee, Mike Mickens, Brian Poling, they really dug in and, and got this one done. So landed his commitment early. Um, come September, um, that's officially when he decommitted. I think it was the 25th. That surprised a ton of people, me included. Um, you know, when we had t- spoken the week before, or even the days before, he was, you know, I'm solid, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. But there was a whole lot going on behind the scenes and a ton of negative recruiting that went on that led to his initial decommitment from Notre Dame. And, and again, let me preface, like, I'm, I'm all for negative recruiting. I think it's part of the game. Negative recruiting is recruiting. Um, sell your program, tear down your rival, do it the right way. And, you know, you bring facts to the table, um, you know, it'd be like Notre Dame talking bad about Clemson right now, kind of silly, but you know what? They beat them. They beat them. They can carry that. Um, you know, they can carry that right now and they can roll with that. So it is what it is. But from what I had gathered and what we had reported at irishillustrator.com was there was a ton of negative recruiting that led to his, uh, decision to back away from his Notre Dame commitment. And he wanted to, reevaluate things he had been told a lot a lot a lot about negative about Notre Dame that was just I mean without getting into too much detail because it didn't necessarily come directly from him um, although he did tell me that there was a lot of negative stuff that played into it but it was a lot about um, just um, Black Lives Matter and certain movements and things like that 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 made it seem like Notre Dame doesn't care and they're not really involved in things like that or uh, which was kind of funny because Notre Dame really did a great job with kind of leading that um, and being very outspoken, allowing their players a platform. So it was pretty wild. But anyway, Riley ends up decommitting because everything he had been told was kind of getting into his head. So then obviously he ends up uh, making his commitment just a few days later um, to USC. And that's the point where I think he made the more comfortable decision. He was familiar with USC he had some connections there with people at the, in the program, long relationship with the coaching staff. But literally a few days after that is when he got back on the phone with Notre Dame um, and started to continue the dialogue and get things back to writing, you know, back where they were from the start. And that's when he was like, you know what, I got to go see this place by, my, from, by myself, get a feel for it, see if what I was told was accurate um, and just kind of reevaluate things one more time. So. He ends up getting on campus um, when Notre Dame was not even there. Like the coaches, the players, they had a road game. And so nobody was around when he was on campus. And that's when it was him and his stepdad. He was able to get a feel for Notre Dame. And he left that place thinking this was home. This is where I wanted to be. Everything I had been told was essentially a lie and whatnot. So that's where the moment he decided like, okay, I'm, I'm, I think Notre Dame is a place to be. And obviously the, the, the fighting Irish coaching staff was all – all about him. They wanted him. They never wanted to lose him in the first place. So, um, in November, I think on the, like it was the ninth is when I crystal balled him to Notre Dame is when I was tipped off and kind of like the Irish were the team to beat again. And a week or so later is when he decommitted from USC and just made his commitment to Notre Dame. So a lot went on behind the scenes there, but in the end, if you, if you truly care about these kids, you want them to be where they, be where they you know, are most happy. I really genuinely believe that's where Philip Riley ended up. Negative recruiting, another glossary term we can add to the book, I think, um, you know, <laughs> you to go. explain all, yeah, to explain all the intricacies that go into negative recruiting. And, and speaking of negative recruiting, I mean, are, are you really trying if you're not negatively recruiting uh, another program? I, I think it's all part of the game. And I think all the coaches 
understand that it's an aspect and it's something that you have to combat and it's up to the prospect and their family and the, and their coaching and their support staff to be able to see through some of that negative recruiting. I mean, it goes, it goes, it goes on around the country and I think it's, it's part of the game. Um, Tom, and then there was another big flip for, for Notre Dame, another four-star prospect from the state of Florida offensive lineman, Caleb Johnson. He had been committed to Auburn also since May and this past week, the Irish were able to flip Caleb Johnson. So they're continuing that streak. Yeah, that was a big pickup. Um, we were kind of on the fence about whether Notre Dame, we thought Notre Dame was going to take another offensive lineman. Um, it looked like they were done for a while, but then they obviously decided to, and they were pursuing. And now this is a guy, so I know you mentioned he's from Florida. He lives in Florida now. He's actually from right in my neck of the woods in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So he, you know, he's happened to move down to Florida. So he's got ties to the Hoosier State. Notre Dame offer carries a ton of weight with him. Um, that's, you know, if they would have offered really early in the process, it would have been a no brainer. He would have been done. But um, so he was visiting last year for, I think it was the USC game. Didn't have an offer. Didn't even, you know, it wasn't even mentioning them as a school he was considering because technically he didn't have the offer. So there's a lot that went into that one too. And, and um, they were a little late to the party, I would say. So he made the early commitment to Auburn, and, and rightfully so. I thought the Auburn staff did a tremendous job. That was really the two he was considering, because um, at the time he did commit to Auburn with a Notre Dame offer in hand, but it was just there was they were just a little late, and I think he was a little sour on that front. So they made it very clear: I know you're committed to Auburn. We will recruit you down the stretch the entire time. We still want you this and that, and that effort really paid off. And they were pushing and pushing and pushing, and obviously. The season that they're having right now is absolutely going to help on the recruiting trail. And I genuinely believe that it helped with, with Caleb Johnson. So uh, kudos to the Notre Dame staff for putting in the legwork there and offensive line coach Jeff Quinn just really, really did a great job and, and eventually got the flip. You are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We'll be back with more with Tom Loy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law we are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by Tom Loy. You can follow him on Twitter at TomLoy247. For, for all your NBA draft hot takes, talk me through this Dame Lillard beef, Tom Loy. I, I want to hear your side of the story. This was uh, Listen, man, I, I, my job is to cover co- high school recruiting and college football. Um, the NBA is not my expertise. I, <laughs> I made a horrible decision and I've backed it up and I've owned it um, since day one. So it was a bad, bad decision. You know, I made it, 
I said coming out, I thought Steph Curry was going to be an absolute stun the league, and anybody passing on him. Yeah, but no one, no one remembers the good stuff. Tom, you're right. You're right. And I, and I, you know what, dude? Just like the crystal ball, when you get them right, it's great. When you don't, it'll they'll never. <laughs> it. uh, yeah, Damian Lillard, shout out. Sorry about that, but you know what? Like you said, thanks for the motivation. So, you, well, you know what happens <laughs> as a recruiting analyst, and you deal with this as well. Whenever we're rating prospects or or adding uh, rankings into the system, it be, it becomes a debate, right? So people will forget that you know we had a guy like Puka Nakua, you know, you know, really high in the rankings compared to other services. But the one that they will point out is that Keenan Slovis was a three star. You know, obviously he's a he's a star sophomore at USC, and and that's where y- you you take your hits, you take your lumps. Uh, but you have to remind people, hey, we do get this right a lot of times. Uh, it's only the times when you get it wrong that that point it out. So you know, Dame Lillard, Tom Loy, uh, that's a nice little Twitter I'm beef. Beat him one day. <laughs> one day yeah no yeah, no that's that's great uh there was another flip tom we were talking in the first segment about notre dame landing philip riley and caleb johnson well they they dug into the pac-12 they stole a, a power five commitment from colorado kicker joshua bryan uh from the southern california area he goes to sierra canyon high school and, and now you know the listener might be wondering oh it's a kicker why are you talking about a kicker but this is a, a player that's very highly regarded at that position and when you are in a position like Notre Dame where they are competing for a college football playoff spot seemingly every year, the kicking position becomes very, very pivotal because there's going to be those close games. There's going to be that 45 to, to 49 to 50 yard field goal attempt, you know, in the, in the last minute that could be the difference. Yeah, that was a big get because I mean this is a you know a six star according to Chris Saylor of Chris Saylor Kicking and um, this was a big pickup and he was uh, he was a guy that that wanted a Notre Dame offer early on. Um, he and I had been talking since August, I think it was, and that's when I was kind of tipped off that he was going to be visiting campus soon and wanted to check it out despite being committed to Colorado. He was kind of keeping things um, quiet, so I was simply asked not to report it that way. So kind of kept that off the record. And then he ends up making it to campus hoping to have, you know, get an offer at some point. And uh, after he left and he started talking to the coaching staff a little bit more, they decided they were going to hold off and be a little patient because they didn't know what was going on with the pandemic and scholarship numbers and whether Jonathan door was going to come back next year in the end of the last month or so Notre Dame decided, listen, what we, John Doerr is coming back. Um, he said as such, and he told Josh Bryan as, as much and told the media that. So he's coming back next year to Notre Dame. Well, Josh Bryan uh, um, was just too good for Notre Dame to pass on. And they just felt like we can bring this kid in. We'll make the scholarship numbers work. And he'll, I mean, obviously there'll be a, some, somewhat of a competition, but it's very likely that he'll be the guy groomed to take over when Dora has the NFL after next season. So basically it'll be Josh Bryan's second year, you know, in the system, in the program, and um, he's going to be tough to beat. So I would expect him to be uh, the starter for Notre Dame. I mean, this guy's a strong, powerful kicker, great leg, gets great height on the football. Um, I'm no kicking expert, but, you know, just simply watching him, I mean, he pounds the football. So um, he's a guy that I think Notre Dame fans should be excited for, even, yes, that's, even though it's be, it's a kicker. Uh, he's a six star. So, yep. I mean, that you pass. know, we're, if we're going to go to six, why not go to seven or eight? <laughs> <laughs> I, so think, ne- I think six is enough yeah i, I agree yeah. I, uh, well i mean he might have gotten one star uh, ahead of huh. things yeah uh, but while we're on the topic of flips th- this next player didn't 
officially flip to Notre Dame, but it's as close to a flip as there could be for an initial commitment. And it's Kahanu Kia. He's a three-star linebacker from the state of Hawaii, a Punahou school, a program that Notre Dame fans are plenty familiar with. Uh, they have Maris Leofau there now on the team, obviously a few other uh, players from the state of Hawaii that have made it out to South Bend, including Jordan Botello in, in this previous class. And Kahanu Kia, for the longest time, was considered a lean to Utah. It's where his dad played defensive end in, in the 90s. Uh, it was the first offer. It was the only program he had visited before the recruiting lockdown. So everything was hindered in a way for, for Kahanu Kia. But he made it out to South Bend for the Clemson game. Uh, he, he was able to check out campus. He was able to catch up with, with Maris, Liu Fao, and, and get a feel for everything there. Also visited uh, Utah previously on that same mainland trip. Also made stops at Stanford and UCLA. And those were considered the, the four schools, but it would always seem like it was going to be the Utes for Kahanu Kia. But Notre Dame goes in there late with, with an offer uh, and then manages to essentially flip him from that from that lean to Utah, what do you like a, about him and his game and, and the way he's going to be able to translate into Clark, Clark Lee's defense? Yeah, so I had – I mean, I like the tape. Obviously, I think he's a good player. Uh, he's a guy that I absolutely would have loved to see in person um, just to kind of get a better feel for him, to watch him move around, see how things look. Obviously, with with, with limited footage, just it's, it's – with obviously the world we're in today, it would have been really – fun to see a little bit more of him, but I spoke to a source that I really, really respect that knows the linebacker position better than um, many people that I know, to be honest. And, you know, he mentioned that his combination of size, length, the fact that he's a high contact player, he's extremely explosive. Um, He's a guy that's a a knockback tackler. Um, He's violent. Um, He can play in space. He's a blitzer. He's a rusher and he plays with a great motor. Um, all of those things are why Notre Dame and, and many others were, were pushing for him. So like Notre Dame specifically think that they think that this kid has the chance to be really, really good in time. Um, and the fact that he's, at least from what I've gathered, isn't going to be taking a, a mission trip that made, you know, he was completely welcome to being on campus right away. So he'll arrive at Notre Dame this summer. Um, that really all kind of tied into uh, Notre Dame being so, um, you know, putting in so much effort to land him. And, and, and let's be honest, man, nobody covers the state of Hawaii like you do, Blair. And the fact that you had him pegged for Utah early was 100% factual. Everybody I talked to Notre Dame early in this recruitment said that Utah is the team to beat, and they're not even worried about Stanford or UCLA or any other program. They, they knew going into this that they needed to beat Utah. So the sources I spoke to after he had gone to Utah, then to Notre Dame, they felt like they pulled ahead and they got the lead at that point even though he was going to be visiting UCLA and Stanford after the fact, they felt no question. As long as they were beating Utah, they were going to land Kia and that's exactly how it played out. So I think it was a tough, while I think it was a tough decision in his mind uh, and, you know, dealing with his family and the ties to Utah, I think in the end, he just felt uh, with Clark Lee, Nick Lazinski there. I just think that he found a, a really good spot in South Bend. Yeah, without a doubt. And this run that Notre Dame has been on has propelled them into the top 10 for the composite team recruiting rankings in the 2021 class heading into the early signing period next month. What is left on the board for the Irish heading into that early signing period? They'd really like to get another running back to go with a Louisiana running back commit Logan Diggs. Um, there's nobody higher on the board, regardless of position, to be quite honest, than Donovan Edwards, the uh, four-star, nearly five-star back out of Michigan. 
my every everybody I'm talking to right now is is keep watching Notre Dame and Michigan in this one. Georgia's definitely in play. A little bit Oklahoma as well, but I think the pulse is going to have him staying in the in Midwest somewhere. Um, Notre Dame season is extreme is is helping greatly at this point, but there's still some people closely connected to this recruitment that just don't know if there's ever going to be anything that Notre Dame can do to overcome um, him staying home from Michigan. But I've seen we've seen crazy things happen, so. Uh, keeping on Donovan Edwards and, and Notre Dame's recruitment throughout the process. But um, whether it's Byron Cardwell out of uh, California, um, he's the other running back on the board. So they, they need one more running back. They want one more running back. So keeping on there or some potential new offers. Um, I think that they would love to land one more defensive back, uh, especially a corner like Sierra, right? A guy, you know, well out in Los Angeles, a really talented prospect, a guy with a bunch of offers from all over the country, a very coveted player. Um, Notre Dame's all over him. They've got him on campus. They got him on campus last December. They should have him on campus again the first week of December, kind of doing his own thing, checking it out again. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I know we're talking about flip watch a bunch. Look for one more. Uh, at least Notre Dame thinks they have a great shot here with Kelvin Gilliam, a four-star defensive lineman, a guy that could play off the edge or inside. He's currently committed to Oklahoma. He's a Virginia native. Notre Dame thinks they can get him. Everybody at Oklahoma thinks he's going to stick. It's going to be very interesting to watch that one play out. We'll probably know what he's going to be doing, whether it's sticking or flipping within the next two weeks. Um, but the Irish are pushing really hard and think they have a great shot there. That would be a great, great final piece along that defensive line. Um, I do think Notre Dame is probably, I wouldn't say completely out for Titus Mokiao, Atima Lala out of Hawaii, but it definitely has a feeling like they're going to, um, he's going to stay out West and, and end up at, maybe UCLA or USC, um, probably USC in my opinion. Um, and I think that the distance, not being able to get on campus in South Bend, that really hurt because I felt like Notre Dame had a great shot early in that recruitment. Um, and that's honestly it. Like right now, there's only a couple spots left. Um, they're probably going to lose a commitment down the stretch. So we've talked about a bunch and David Abiara, uh, a four-star defensive lineman out of Texas. That's nothing that's going to catch anybody off guard. So their commit their total commits will go from 23 to 22, but in a perfect world for Notre Dame, they land uh, maybe three more, get to 25 and call it a wrap. And like you said, stay inside that top 10. Yeah. And, and it's going to be interesting to watch them now with, with three games to go in the regular season. And, and as they continue their, their push in the college football playoff to, to potentially even continue to move up in the team recruiting rankings, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. You're the man, Blair. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. You can follow Tom at Tom Loy 247 A reminder, we're going to have a quicker and, and earlier midweek episode this week because uh, of Thanksgiving. So be on the lookout for that on Wednesday. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.